today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. They hadn't read it. They hadn't seen it. This priest finds it, brings it to Josiah. Most likely, they believe it was the, the, the book of Deuteronomy. And as Josiah reads it, his heart is broken for the things of God. And he realizes, man, we are so far off base. And so it brings about even a deeper revival and even a greater push to bring about that reformation within the land trying to get his house in order, try to reestablish the feast. And it's Josiah that actually celebrates the Passover for the first time since the time of the judges. God called Jeremiah to be a prophet in a time of great wickedness and spiritual compromise. The nation of Israel was weakened by sin. The judgment of God was looming over their northern border. God called Jeremiah to declare his truth and to call God's people to repentance, but they wouldn't listen. You might be tempted to think of this ministry as a failure, but in today's message, Pastor David will show you if you want to be successful in God's eyes, all you need to do is be obedient to God's calling. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Jeremiah chapter 1 as he begins his message, A Survey of the Prophets. Can you imagine being a pastor? Just throw that out at you first, okay? But what my thought is, can you imagine being a pastor for a number of years and not have any attendance to your church and not have a single convert in over 50 years of ministry? Welcome to the ministry of Jeremiah. In the Old Testament, the, the ministry of Jeremiah as God had called him to proclaim the truth to the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom. And in the midst of that, in all of his cries and all of his pleas, uh, Judah never received it. As a matter of fact, uh, his life was threatened multiple times. He was imprisoned. There was all kinds of things that came against uh, the poor guy just simply because he wanted to do what God had called him to do. Uh, because God had called him, he was faithful to the call, and literally, if you are faithful to the call, the heart and the spirit of the thing is you do not worry about the results of it, that that's God's thing. Now, in the flesh, you know, you tend to look back and say, oh, man, you know, well, what about this, what about this? But in reality, in the spirit, if God has called you and you're faithful to the call, then again, you leave the, the results up to him. Jeremiah is an interesting book. Jeremiah written uh, over the time frame of his ministry and 
what we're going to see in just a little bit, that it's not laid out very well chronologically. And uh, in fact, it's kind of troublesome when you look at it if you don't understand the history of what's going on. Now, there's many uh, favorite verses uh, in Jeremiah. Probably the, the, the most well-known, the most favorite is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. And again, just a powerful, powerful word. Uh, also, Jeremiah 17, 9, uh, the heart is more deceitful than all else. It's desperately sick or wicked. Uh, who can understand it? So when you go to trusting your own heart, well, I'm just listening to my own heart in this thing. Boy, you're going to be in all kinds of trouble, okay? You better seek the Spirit out on that. Uh, Jeremiah 33, 3, uh, call to me and I will answer you. And I'll tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Man, what a great promise that is of God. If you call to me, I will answer you. Uh, even Jeremiah 1, 5 speaks again of God's omniscience, uh, his omnipresence, uh, his all-knowing, his, his, his everywhere his presence is. Uh, the fact that in Jeremiah 1.5, Jeremiah, uh, the Lord speaks to Jeremiah, and he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, and I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. So if you ever think, does God really have me in mind? Is God really considering me? I believe that this is a a declaration not only to Jeremiah, but we see other instances in Scripture that speaks again of even before we were born, even before we were created, God had in mind and a plan and a purpose for us. And so I think that that's that's a real comfort for each of us, particularly when we're going through struggles or trials in life. We can, again, rest assured that God not only has formed us and fashioned us, but he has a plan and a purpose for us. That, again, Again, also speaks against this whole idea of, of abortion, of taking someone, uh, a, a life from someone before they even get a chance to breathe uh, in, in open air, before they get a chance to, to, to live outside the womb. Jeremiah 6.16, thus says the Lord, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. You know, too often we as, uh, just as human beings and even in particular as Christians, we want something new, we want something fresh, we want something exciting, something that'll stir our senses. When many times the Lord says, you know what, you need to stay on the path that was set before you. And rather than looking for the next newest thing, look at the reality and the truth and the understanding of the word of God and what God's plans are for us. When he was, again, just uh, when he was first called into ministry, they believed that he was probably fairly young, uh, either late teens or early 20s. But his response to the Lord was, when the Lord says, man, I've called you to preach or to proclaim it to the nations, his response was, alas, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak because I am a youth. And yet God used him to speak before kings and, and through the nation. You know, there, there's, there's not a limitation that God has. God can use us in our young age. God can use us in our old age. The only limitation of God using us is one thing, you and I, yeah. That's the only limitation for us to say, no, Lord, not me. 
Remember, it was Isaiah when they said, whom shall, shall we send? Who will go before us? Isaiah says, here am I, send me. It wasn't because he was the, the, the best candidate, but he was one who was willing to go. Remember, Timothy probably had a problem because he was young. And Paul told Timothy, man, don't let him despise you because of your youth. You go ahead and do what God's called you to do. There should be no limitations on what God can and will do in our lives if you and I are simply willing vessels. Uh, Jeremiah uh, 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And then Jeremiah 31, 3, the Lord appeared to him from afar saying, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I've drawn you with loving kindness. Now we could take that verse right now and we can look around the room and we can say that our God has loved you with an everlasting love. And he has drawn you with his loving kindness. Amen? For every one of us, every one of us. It's the loving kindness of God drawing us to himself that allows us to be able to come to him to really truly receive the salvation that he offers. Uh, And then the last one, 3133. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people. In that, he's speaking about the new covenant that God is going to be working with. And Jeremiah speaks of that new covenant. And remember when Christ came on that night that he was betrayed in that upper room during the time of communion, he says, my blood is that new covenant. Again, not by laws, not by the works that we do, but again, it's through trust, the simple trust and faith in who Christ is. Well, let's get into the book a little bit. The book of Jeremiah. Uh, it's, it's actually the longest of the prophetic books. Yes, it's after Isaiah, but again, and Isaiah has more chapters, but there's more content within the chapters of Jeremiah. It's actually more words in Jeremiah even than Isaiah. And again, uh, because of its length, because of its layout, it's really gonna be difficult to do it justice. It's also tough to do it justice simply by going from chapter one, verse one, and flipping over verse by verse by verse going through it because of the way that it's laid out. So again, what I want to try to do is to help you get a a full understanding of the concept and the situation as well as the message of the book of Jeremiah. We find in the opening verses that Jeremiah is the son of a Jewish Levitical priest. He's not a priest himself. He did not enter into the priesthood. But again, they lived in the land of Benjamin and God called him to be a prophet. And we're gonna find in the book of Jeremiah a lot of biographical information about Jeremiah, a lot of stuff that's happening to him. We're gonna see these events going on in his life. There's gonna be a lot of information, input about the words of Jeremiah as he's speaking the words of God to the people of Judah and some in the surrounding nations. 
And then we're gonna see the actions that are taken by Jeremiah as well as the things that are done to Jeremiah. And there's a lot that's done to Jeremiah, unfortunately, simply because he chose to be faithful to God during a time and in the context that, again, the southern kingdom was in its last days. They didn't realize that, but God had made it very real to his prophets during that time. Not only Isaiah and Jeremiah, but all of the contemporaries of those guys at that time, declaring these are the last days for you as a nation. And again, uh, he continued to cry out and call out to them, but there was no change that ever took place with them. And so you know, just from reading your Bible and from being under Bible studies that again, the fall did happen and the southern kingdom was taken into captivity. As I said before, there's a lot of chronological disorder here in Jeremiah. Uh, The flow of the words and the prophecies. We're gonna look at that a little bit later. But there is an importance about Jeremiah that we see that is so powerful that again, Jesus referenced Jeremiah. Uh, The apostle Paul referenced Jeremiah. This and for a lot of other reasons, Jeremiah is considered one of the greatest of the Hebrew prophets. Again, we can name several of them, but Jeremiah lists right among the top. As far as the timeline of Jeremiah, he lived and he ministered in that, that critical period in in Judah's history, in that southern kingdom's history. According to the context of Jeremiah's own words, as he writes it, he believed that, uh, again, he was was too young to even start in ministry. He was a young guy as he started. Uh, And he, he felt uncomfortable about that. And so God had to encourage him on that. The book itself, in, in the way that it's written, there, there's events, there's statements that are made uh, all throughout the word here. Uh, and the, the easiest way for us to understand it or to really grasp the fullness of it outside of a good verse here and a good verse here is to actually take the book of Jeremiah and as I said, not go chapter by chapter, but lay out a line of history and events in history and then bring the the book of Jeremiah next to that. And that's what we're gonna kind of do as we move along uh, through here. Now, if you've been studying the word for a while, you've been in Bible studies for a while, you know that it was 722 BC, an event happened. What was it? 722 BC, 722 BC. Fall of the Northern Kingdom, exactly. In 722 BC, the Northern Kingdom fell. Now that was by the the Assyrians. They came down, wiped out. Now this is after a long time of them coming against them. This is after a long time of rebellion of the Northern Kingdom. God warning them over and over again by sending his prophets to them. They continued to ignore the prophecies. They continued to ignore the warning. They continued to ignore the call of God in their life. And so God brought the Assyrians in. The Assyrians didn't just take them captive. The the Assyrians dispersed them. The ones that they didn't kill, they dispersed them all over and brought other people into that area. Now, that was in 722. About 20 years later, in 701, 
the Assyrians again during the reign of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a king in the southern kingdom. They still remained. Hezekiah was a good king of the southern kingdom. They tried to come down and come against the southern kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah, the Assyrians did. But yet because of Hezekiah's humility, because of Hezekiah's prayers, his desire to follow the Lord, the Assyrian army was actually pretty much annihilated uh, by the supernatural work of God. He sent out an angel to them and hundreds of thousands of Assyrian soldiers were wiped out at that point. So after Hezekiah's death, and that's around 697 BC, uh, his son Manasseh, becomes king of Judah. Now you figure you had a good dad that was a king. He kind of laid the pattern. You ought to have another good king come after. Just the opposite. Manasseh was a wicked king. And in just a short period of time, he pretty well wipes out everything that his dad had tried to bring back into the southern kingdom. Again, the worship of the one true God, getting rid of all the pagan uh, worship and all of their idols. Once Manasseh got into, into power, he started bringing it all back again and even worse. He brought back all the evil practices and more. And it, it, he does try, though, to reform or rebuild Jerusalem and Judah, but not in a spiritual sense. He's only interested in the economy. He's only interested in the finances. And in, in, in some ways, he is able to do that, but he does it totally without the hand and without the blessings of God. So around 642 BC, Manasseh's son, Ammon, Manasseh has a son and his son, Ammon, has a son. That son, the grandson of Manasseh, is a young child by the name of Josiah. Now, it's also about the time that Josiah is born that a young, the young man, Jeremiah, is born. They're pretty close to the same age. Well, Manasseh dies. His son Ammon then comes in, takes over as king of Judah. He reigns for about two years, but he's absolutely wicked, wicked, wicked. And he, his reign ends by assassination. Somebody comes in and just wipes him out. And at that point in time, Josiah becomes the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. The only problem is Josiah is only about eight years of age. So very young, and you would think how easy it would be to corrupt a young child with the power of being the king of a nation. But the interesting thing is Josiah's heart and his spirit actually turn toward the things of God. We find not only is Josiah eight, but as I said, Jeremiah, about the same age, he's eight years old, as well as another prophet by the name of Zephaniah, about the same age, uh, running about the same time frame. Habakkuk, uh, another prophet, is a young man at that point in time. He may still be in his teens, uh, but he's a young, again, young man during that time. Well, a little bit, eight years later, Josiah's been king now for about eight years. He's now 16 years old, and he really does. He, he, he desires to seek after the Lord. And again, he's gonna be the last good king of Judah. He's the last one of the righteous kings. And so again, he's, he's trying to bring out spiritual reform. While he's doing that in the area of Jerusalem, up in the area of Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, 
again, Jeremiah is growing up. He's growing up among the priests and the prophets, the Levites uh, in that area. And all of these guys, again, students of the word, pouring over the word of God. And by the time Josiah is 20 years old, again, this reform is coming about fairly well there in Jerusalem and in Judea. He begins to smash all the idols, remove all these pagan uh, things within the country. And then another young prophet now at this point in time is born by the name of Daniel. So you see, all these guys are very close right in, in, in the time frame. Uh, so it's about the same time that Josiah begins these reforms. That's when Jeremiah is called by God to stand in the office as a prophet. He's called to be a prophet to, to Judah, the southern kingdom, and to the nations that surround him. Now, meanwhile, while all this is going on, Jeremiah's been called to be a prophet. Josiah, at the age of 20-something, he's, he's now uh, uh, bringing in all that reform. Meanwhile, up in the Northland, remember the Assyrians that had destroyed the northern kingdom, well, the power structure up there begins to shift and the Assyrians begin to lose their, their, their grip on that whole region. And a fellow by the name of Nabopolassar drives the Assyrians out of Babylon. And Nabopolassar actually becomes the king of Babylon. As the Babylonian empire then is, is birthed and begins to grow in its influence, it starts reaching out in power over that northern region. Assyria, though they've been kicked out of the area of Babylon, they're not totally out of the game. They've still got some power, but not as much as what they were. As a matter of fact, a little bit later, they go down to Egypt and the Assyrians and the Egyptians kind of team up together. Guys that were enemies before, they kind of team up together against the Babylonians. But that's kind of a normal thing. We see, man, people that are enemies in one hand, they suddenly become friends when they have a common enemy. Anyway, 624 BC, the prophet Zephaniah, he began speaking about the Babylonian destruction. In other words, that it's the Babylonians that are going to come down and take out Judah. The coming of the day of the Lord. That's in Zephaniah as he's proclaiming. All of this happening about the same time. Well, by the time he's 26 years of age, Josiah, he is bringing about these reforms. He's bringing about repairs to the temple because of all the neglect that had taken place because of the former reigns. During the midst of the repair work, one of the priests finds the book of the law. They hadn't read it. They hadn't seen it. This priest finds it, brings it to Josiah. Most likely, they believe it was the, the, the book of Deuteronomy. And as Josiah reads it, his heart is broken for the things of God. And he realizes, man, we are so far off base. And so it brings about even a deeper revival and even a greater push to bring about that reformation within the land, trying to get his house in order, try to reestablish the feast. And it's Josiah that actually celebrates the Passover for the first time since the time of the judges, all the way back to the time of the judges. Guys, that's through Saul and, and, and David and Solomon and Rehoboam and, and Jeroboam, all, all of these guys. Finally, Josiah brings it back. Meanwhile, north of Israel, 616 BC, 
a combined Egyptian and the Assyrian army stop the Babylonians as the Babylonians are trying to again take over more of that area in the north as they're moving west. But about four years later, the Babylonians joined together with a, a, a people group, the, the Medes. You've heard of the Medes and the Persians. They gathered together with the Medes. And so now you've got the Babylonians and the Medes going against the Assyrians and the Egyptians. And in the midst of all of this, if you, if you had it on a map, you could see right in the middle of all this is this little bitty country called Israel. And so all of these nations fighting for power And right through the middle of it all is Israel. Have you noticed a theme weaving its way through Pastor David's messages and really through the Bible? That theme is salvation. It's Jesus. From the very beginning, God planned for His Son to come save the world from its sins. You find this plan ingrained in His Word, in the lives of the key people of Scripture, and in the words of truth each book provides. We're so glad you're on this journey with us. Through the Bible, we pray you're finding Jesus not just in the text, but in your everyday life, too. If you'd like to hear today's teaching again, you'll be able to listen online at theopenword.com. There's several messages there, in fact, and many of them go even more in-depth through a verse-by-verse study of each individual book of God's Word. That website again is theopenword.com. Before our time is up with you today, we'd like to turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener. Yeah, thanks, Chris. I wanted to take a moment and ask you to be praying for the ministry of The Open Word. I know God is working through the messages I've been able to share, and He's opening hearts to His love every step of the way. As Chris was saying, this book I'm teaching from is just filled with grace and I want everyone to know about it. Would you pray that more and more people would come to know the saving grace of Jesus? Would you pray too for all of us who are creating the Open Word program? We want to keep focused on Jesus, not on us. Thanks so much for praying, and thanks for joining me today on The Open Word. Make us more.